I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh I need thee, every hour I need thee, oh bless me now my Savior, I come to thee. I text is taken from Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 31. Donato is going to read that for us here. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, 22 through 31. This is a reading from the book of Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 31. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt?
Good morning, church. It is good to be back in the north. After having spending brutal days down in Florida this past week, it was brutal beyond the iguanas were in sad shape, if you watch the news. But it is good to be back. Just love snow. But I digress. Good to see each one of you here. There are some that are visiting from faraway places, even beyond Kingsley. So we're glad to have you with us. Some from the town here in Traverse City, always glad to have you. And I hope that our worship and our learning today will give you strength, give you pause to consider things in your life, and especially today as we're going to talk about faith. If you have been following our Bible readings each day, and if you have taken one of the devotional guides, remember the month of February is sitting out on the table, so if you'd like to take those for the month of February, they are out there. It looks as though we have plenty, so grab that. Each day has its own particular reading. And from this past week, and each sermon for the year of 2020 is taken from one of the readings from the previous week. This is from Matthew chapter 14. The operative term that is so fascinating in all of this, in all of the ten verses that were, reading, that were read, thank you, Donato, for reading it, is that word, if. The word, if. I think of Rudyard Kipling's poem, If, perhaps you have read it. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubtings too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, and on and on it goes, and each stanza begins with that word, if. If. I use a saying sometimes when people will make an excuse as why something didn't happen. I said, well, if the dog had not stopped to scratch, he'd have caught the rabbit. If. If. Everywhere we look, there is an if in our lives. Peter is in the boat, and he uses that term, if. If it is you, command me to come. It is one of the many defining moments in the life of Peter. Peter, that impetuous one. And sometimes I like to put myself alongside of Peter and think, well, what would I do in that situation? This is not the first nor the last time that the disciples are going to be in a boat with Jesus. And not the last time they're going to be afraid by the water. And when fishermen are afraid in the water, I'm afraid. And I'm in the boat and I see Jesus walking across the water in the fourth watch, which means it is all the way through the night, and it is coming upon the morning. And it tells us that they have struggled. They've been in the water all night, and they are struggling, and they are afraid. And I myself am sitting there beside Peter. No doubt if you know how much I like water. And we have some that here are sailors. Some have been in the Coast Guard. Uh, some are in the, uh, the academy here in Traverse City. You're familiar with water, and you love it, and more power to you. 
Some of you know that I don't get on swing sets for very long because I get that motion sickness. So going out on a boat is not a big thing for me. But I'm sitting there nonetheless next to Peter and I, I see this apparition coming across the water. And so does Peter. And Peter says, if it is you, command me to come. And Jesus says, come. And I'm sitting there saying, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm the guy that when people are going to go on roller coasters or they're going to go on these uh, high trapeze wires, I'm the guy that holds the bags, okay? <laughs> Isn't that right, Janine? Thanks for agreeing on that one. <laughs> I'm not the one that's going to take those chances. I'm going to sit in the boat and watch Peter go out there. But when Peter says, if it is you, there is a little doubt there. That if for Peter is, I'm not really sure that it's you, but if it is, you command me. There's a little bit of faith, but not enough, as we'll see. I have gone through my Bible, and each time that it says if, and you know how I like to go through and mark things up, there's always the if-then clause. You'll find that there's the if that, that gives you the situation, and then, and then there's the then, and we'll look at some of those. Many times it is the doubting, the if. If. There's that, there's that doubt that permeates it. We look at that word if. It is the same word that Satan used just a few chapters before when he is going to tempt Jesus. Three times he tempts Jesus and three times he uses that word if. Matthew 4, 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God. Do you think that Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God? Of course he knew it was. But he says, if, he's planting that seed of doubt. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. We drop down to verse 6. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Again, he knew that Jesus was the Son of God. And that third and final one, he says, the end the the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. That if that Satan uses is not an if that comes from a place of faith, but it comes from a place of doubting and disbelief. Satan knew exactly who Jesus was, but it was the doubt. You see, the doubting and disbelief is that same attitude that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and many others used. In fact, when Jesus was on trial in Matthew chapter 26, it tells us, but Jesus remains silent, verse 63. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us, if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Where did that if come from? It came from a place of doubt and disbelief. And when Jesus is on the cross in Matthew chapter 27, and verse 40, he says, beginning in 39, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, 
You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. A place of faith or a place of disbelief? It's obvious. They did not believe that he was the Son of God. And he was in their court now. But there is a defining faith in the word if as well. There are times when people use that word if where there is not doubt in disbelief. But there comes from a place of faith. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, Mark tells us about a leper who came to Jesus. And it begins, and the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. There is an if that comes from a place of faith. For where else is the leper to turn? He believes that this man who is walking is the one who can heal him. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He did not doubt that this one who was coming to him had that ability and that power to cleanse him. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28, beginning, we're going to begin in verse 25, tells us of Jesus on his way to, to heal someone. And we come across a woman who has problems. Beginning of verse 25 says, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment, for she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made clean. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she had been healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowds pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You see, she had heard the reports, and she believed that Jesus was who he was. And the if did not come from a place of doubt in her heart, but a place of desire. If I can only touch his garments, I will be made well. If I can just get through these crowds and touch him, I will be made well. There is an if that comes from a place of faith. There is an if that we find if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. James tells about how we look at our lives and I have this plan, and I have that plan. I'm going here, and this is what I'm going to accomplish. But James puts it in perspective. Beginning in verse 13 of James chapter 4. Come now, you who say, 
Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. If the Lord wills. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do, but well, maybe if the Lord really wants it. Does that sound like a lot of faith there? I tried to put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there. If the Lord wills. It is saying, if, the Lord, if this is the Lord's will, I will go here and do that. He says that's where our faith ought to be, in what the Lord's will is, and not my own. A second big point I wanted to make is, if you're following on the outline from the bulletin, it says, when he saw the wind, he took his eyes off Jesus. How many times do we find that there are those who take their eyes off Jesus? And I know it doesn't happen within this crowd. I, I'm quite assured of that. But we know of other people out there who have taken their eyes off Jesus. In fact, one of the passages tells us a man that says, I will follow you wherever you go. But first, let me go home and say goodbye. And Jesus says, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Back in the late Pleistocene when I was farming, when the glaciers were going off the land, that's how far back it was. When I would plow fields, I was told, if you want to plow a straight line, you pick something at the end of the field and follow it. With one caveat. Make sure that what you have your eye on is not a cow. Pick something that is at one single point and follow that. As a carpenter, one of the things that we learned about cutting straight lines is don't always look exactly down where you're cutting, but look where you want to cut and your hand will follow it little trick of the trade. And others have told me in their line of work, it is look where you're going and you will follow it. Again, I will rely on my wife to tell me that when I am driving down the road and I look off into the field, do you know where my car goes? I tend to follow that. No, enough about me. Keep our eyes on where we are going. Jesus bids Peter to come. And Peter, in almost faith, steps out of that boat and looked around and saw the winds. And he became afraid. Fear. Fear and faith are like oil and water. They just can't coexist together. Because faith will only go so far when fear is shackled to it. But keeping our eyes on Jesus. Jesus had a little bit to say about faith. That, that Greek word phobos or phobio. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 28, he says, And do not fear, and that's that phobio word, 
Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? For not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head, no matter how few you may have. I've added that. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than those sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Fear versus faith. Don't fear those in the world. Listen to what John the Apostle has to say in his letter we know of as 1 John. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 through 5, John has a little bit to say about overcoming the world. And that's that pressure that's coming in from us from all sides. Beginning in verse 4 of 1 John chapter 5, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. You see that word faith is the same as believe. Pistis in the Greek language. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And there's an awful lot of world out there to overcome. But John tells us that our faith is enough. Those of little faith. Why did you doubt, O oh, you of little faith? Jesus says to Peter. It's not the first time nor the last time that Jesus uses that term, O oh, you of little faith. And I look at the times when Jesus uses that, and, and I have to be honest with myself and think, I think he's talking about me. Because I would be in that place right there of Peter. I would look around and see the waves. I would have doubts of my own. Maybe I would be as Thomas who said, unless, unless I, can, I can touch I'm not going to believe. In Matthew chapter 6, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we know of as that, he tells about fear and anxiety. Beginning in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 6, begins, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But, here's that term again, if, God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? Here's that term again. Oh, you of little faith, doubting that God is not going to take care of us. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow has troubles of its own. And that God will watch over us. Another time when the disciples are in the boat is Matthew chapter 8. It says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, O Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? O you of little faith. 
God said that we can move mountains if our faith is big enough. A man comes to comes to Jesus. He says, Lord, have mercy on my son, Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 15. For he was an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, and you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You see, I'm like those disciples. I have my own doubts. But Jesus says, with faith, you can move mountains. Now, I don't know why God would want us to move or why I would want to move some of these hills around Traverse City, except for maybe in the snowstorms, but that's another story. But he says that type of faith can move mountains, and that's where I want to be. I don't want to be a person who thinks of myself as having little faith. But the lack of faith that doubts as we continue. Do not doubt, but that God will provide all things. We looked in Matthew chapter 6 when he tells us not to be anxious about those things. And I come to James chapter 1. And James says, if, there's that word again, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Doubts. I'll bring it from out there and say, there may be some of us here whose faith stumbles because of doubts and fears and anxiety. I know I'm in good company here because I struggle with those as well. I know it would be great to stand up here and say, listen people, you have to have faith. But I have to... Con I have to consider myself in that as well. Those things that I struggle with too. Ask God who gives generously without reproach. You see, and we could use that same faith not only for asking for wisdom, but asking for opportunities in this life. Virtually anything that you want to put on that list to ask God of. By faith, he will give it to us. In Luke chapter 24, as Jesus was coming to the disciples after his resurrection, and they were afraid, and he says, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? 
After all, isn't that where doubts come from? From our hearts? You see, the world around us that we look and see the waves and the wind, as long as I keep them out there, my heart's safe. Once I let those doubts come into the heart, they begin to arise. So we ask as, as we come to a close and consider the struggles that Peter had and the disciples and the struggles that we have and think, do we live lives of faith or lives of fear? Are we walking by faith or by fear? Will faith rule our lives or fear ruin it? I can't answer those questions for you, nor can you answer them for me. Every tub sits on its own bottom, as they say. You know, we have not been called to walk on water or to move physical mountains. But there are great tasks that God has called us to accomplish in this life. And by faith, each of you has been given that task. And by faith, God will see us through those. Keep our eyes on Jesus and not be intimidated by the wind and the waves that are all about us. In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua asks the people to make a choice. They are about to embark on a great journey. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And bear with me one more time as I read this word. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I put the challenge to us today in rewording this slightly. If you choose to serve fear, you cannot serve faith. But if you choose faith, God will be with you. So as we send the invitation this day, there may be some here today that fear and anxiety rules your life. We stand ready to help in any way that we can. See, faith and belief are the same words in the Greek. When you see faith and you see belief in the New Testament, you know that it comes from the same place. Faith and belief. And by faith, by belief in Christ, is the beginning step. We're told that those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. God has given us his plan to believe that Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost. And to that extent, to that end, he was hung upon the cross die for yours and my sins and for as many who are in the world. And believing that causes us to, that faith causes us to move in the direction to say, what must I do to be saved? We're told that there are steps we're given. Confess Jesus as Lord. 
to repent of the sins, to stop moving that way towards the world, and turn and move this way towards Christ. And that final step that puts us into Christ, being baptized to wash away our sins. Over and over in the book of Acts, we are told that those people who are obedient to God took those steps. We stand ready to help in any way that we can. As together we stand and sing.